Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. My name is Corey Wharton Malcolm, aka Bit Beefy, and this is the podcast, The Tub Hub. Now, this podcast has been set up purely because me and my guest, or should I say guests, want to explore the word help in all its forms. So what we do is we talk about why we ask for help, when we ask for help, how helping makes us feel. But I'm not going to give too much away before I introduce my wonderful guest, my dear friend, Jeggy. Jeggy, are you there, my friend? I'm here. <laughs> Alive and well. <laughs> um, Jeggy, where, where, where are you? I'm in um, the tub of my, uh, in my apartment in Sunset Park, Brooklyn, New York. Fantastic. And um, Jeggy, who, who are you? As in, I obviously know who you are, but the wonderful people listening, who are you and how do we know each other? Um, I'm Jeggy Ansano. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a runner. Um, uh, I'm a manager of Nike Lab, <laughs> up on Nike Lab, <laughs> uh, skateboarder and just general adventure. Um, and we are dear, dear friends that have gone a long way back from my time when I uh, gallivanted around London for a little bit, uh, for a few years. And um, we uh, ran together in Rundum Crew and Rundum Crew West, and we started a, a group called uh, Track Mafia with uh, Jules and a few other friends uh, many, many years ago. That's still jamming around so that's how that's how we're dear but also we just seem to also find ourselves um in the same in the same country uh, uh or in the same space or in having a conversation with each other or just talking about things pretty often pretty regularly so um so we're obviously we're obviously dear near and dear yes we are man um so when was the last time we saw each other jeggy where were we what country Shoot, I want to say, was it at Los Angeles? Yes, Los I think Angeles? it. I think it was Los Angeles. But that was a wild. That was that was a wild little uh, run of run of things because we were we were running. We were we were in Los Angeles um, for the LA Marathon, but then we also um, were like seeing each other like every like other <laughs> every other like month. I think it was like a few months before that. I was with, I saw you in London. Yeah. And then a few months before that, we saw each other in Copenhagen. Yep. Um, and then it was so like was, New was York before threat. that. Yeah, New York. Um, oh, actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so it's like yeah, we were seeing each other like pretty every few months for a little bit there. Um, and how come we kept seeing each other, Jenny? You 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 travel around the world and run, don't you? Yeah, yeah. I tend, I like to kind of, you know, travel around and, and run races or um, get into some, into some uh, adventures involving putting one foot in front of the other. That's kind of what gets me around. So, so like a lot of that was racing. Uh, a little bit of that was uh, adventures out in, in weird in towns outside of uh, Copenhagen. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that was, that's, that's kind of what, what, what takes me around. I like to go and 
uh, adventures with around moving my body and putting and running and putting one foot in front of the other really before that we were in ethiopia um that was that what took you out to what took you out to ethiopia jenny um we uh we are, we're ardent ardent and uh passionate supporters of a group called girls gotta run foundation and uh we were out there to do a relay uh, from the Bale Mountains to Bakoji, which is about 100 miles, uh, alongside the immensely talented and incredible women and girls of Girls Gotta Run and uh, and a, a lot of our dear friends in the international running community. So that's what, that's what got us out there. So we were just hanging out, vibing, getting into mischief and running <laughs> in, in definitely tough conditions. <laughs> um, what, can you remember what altitude we were running at, Jenny? Shoot, man, what was, what was, where were the Bali Mountains at? Was that 12,000, 13,000? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was 12,000. And then Bakoji is like six or 7,000 or something like that feet. Or even maybe higher, like 9,000 feet. Yeah, I think it's 9,000. Um, so, so we were like, like yeah, we that. were running in like, uh, in the, in the heat too. It was pretty hot. Um, and, uh, and we were, uh, yeah, we're running. We're running. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, like, that leads quite nicely into one of our questions or one of the things that we talk about, which is, like, do you help people? And it sounds like you do help people. So, like, what made you want to go out to Ethiopia for the first time or what made you want to work with Girls Gotta Run? Um, you know, I don't know, like it, I'm, I'm, I inherently I'm inclined to do it. And I think, I think a lot of it just extends to like the humility of, of my upbringing, really. Like I grew up, I grew up in kind of a rough neighborhood in, in San Diego, California, um, uh, predominantly, predominantly Mexican neighborhood, uh, right by the biggest base, a uh, military base in, in California, one of the biggest military bases in the country. It's a, a Marine base called, uh, Camp Pendleton so mm -hmm. it was like it was like I was always either like surrounded by like people of color or Marines <laughs> that was that's what I grew up, grew up around so like uh and you know it was like it was primarily Mexican so like I, I don't know like like just kind of seeing being around being a Filipino and growing up inherently with the qualities of like community uh and mutual aid that Filipino culture has and just being seeing that also in a in, in, in growing up in a Mexican neighborhood. Um, and then also just it being inherently like a tough neighborhood. Um, I, I think it instilled in me this humility that I think stuck with me. And I think uh, I always, growing up, I always just felt inclined to, to participate in, in, the, in the advancement, the growth and the support of community, just as a matter of course. So whether that's my running community or any other community I get involved in, or my immediate community, or anything. I just feel like the the pursuit is always inherently in, towards the support and the um, push and the advancement of, of that community. And and do you think that that how you view the world is? common i, I mean I'd, I'd like to think that and in, in some capacity i think context and personal history kind of defines like what what that looks like for you um and i'm i'm in 
I'm inherently optimistic that 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 trait is is in a lot of my in a lot of the people I'm closest to, or the people in my community. Um, but also, I'm, I'm cognizant of the realities of that and where people are along along that line and on that line of conversation too. And so, um, you know, I, I you know like I, I try to be I try to be less less critical and more more in a position of conversation. Uh, sometimes I have to be, sometimes I feel inclined inherently to be critical. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, without, without, without really diving, unless it, unless it gets there, without really diving to like specific uh, examples or anything or specific moments within like, I think I think I want to be more in a position of just having a conversation about like where where those around me what you know like in my immediate communities are in the conversation and where and try to be cognizant of like what context provide them because i i look at it as a privilege that i do i grew up in in the neighborhood i grew up in because it put me in this position where i saw what it's like to like not not have or to be in a position where you have to really just do anything but by any means just to get food for the week or uh or uh or even just to be a parent, you know, just to be like in a position where you just wanted to like make sure your kids were good. And that includes yeah. like food, the essentials, but also just like the things that define like childhood happiness. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, especially because in my, my town where I grew up, you know, there, it was either like upper middle class communities and then the hood, you know? So like there, it was like a, a stark contrast between the communities that surrounded the communities that weren't good. You know, as yeah. as as it is, as it is in general, uh, in in most cities, especially in the United States or in in the United Kingdom. But like, I think in in my town, it was such a small town, and you still had this like stark contrast. And like the the get the divide was large enough that I I became cognizant of it, uh, class difference, I guess. So I I think I, I I look at like my upbringing as a privilege for me being able to like have the perspective I have, and I'd like to think inherently up being inherently optimistic that people have that though challenged quite often <laughs> um, um, so is is that what has sort of driven you to to not only help people internationally but you've also been as you said helping locally like i saw you on vice tv did i not Tell us about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I made a little I made a little lurk into there. <laughs> <laughs> Hold up one sec, Jackie. Let me add some water as this is getting a little bit too cold. <laughs> right, because it's it's 34 degrees here, so I couldn't have a normal piping hot bath that I would normally. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean when when I first when I first messaged you to, to get this going, I told you I sat immediately by my AC. <laughs> I know you know how the New York City summers are too. Yes. I remember being in New York one summer and um, going for a run with Safe's and Bridge and obviously all of you guys. And it was a typical Bridge Runners, Mike Safe's run where it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just going to be a few miles. <laughs> and you ended up running like eight or nine miles in this 34 degree heat for, for, <laughs> for no other reason than just because. <laughs> just because the route took us there. Classic yeah, just because there. the route took you there. 
<laughs> um, yes, yeah, so, so tell us about you lurking in Vice. Yeah, I, I got, um, well, I like uh, got really close to and, and got into a lot of organizational work with this group founded by this incredible woman named Whitney Who called South Brooklyn Mutual Aid. And I, um, I uh, yeah, I just initially, it was just kind of like, a per well, I guess on a personal level, it was like I need. It was I needed to do something um, in a time when we collectively were getting challenged by like a lot of our perspectives in reaction to the pandemic, um, and in reaction to how local and state and federal governments were like taking care of our communities, especially our communities that needed it most. So I needed to find an outlet and a way of like getting the energy I wanted to put behind that there. And I was, I met this incredible woman in Whitney and her group South Brooklyn Mutual Aid. And I uh, started by just delivering uh, groceries to families that needed it. And my neighborhood, our neighborhoods in, in, in South Brooklyn and Sunset Park are pretty drastically populated by, um, by undocumented families and individuals. So we uh, initially it was just a group of us, small group of us delivering groceries to these families and then and I used to do it on my skateboard or running so like I would if it was a lot longer distance I'd run there if it was within the immediate radius of my home I would I would skate there and um and then it's kind of grown since to a pretty organized uh outfit but um so how and, many uh, but families like, are you are you feeding and and where does the money come from Jiggy? So we're now we're feeding about 400 family, no, no, even more than that, about 600 families a week. So we maybe about 100 to 150 plus done for one-to-one -one deliveries with neighbors, neighbor to neighbor, and then about 400 through a massive distribution project on the weekends. Uh, the money is fully donation, is fully on on donations. So partners and organizations will donate, and then this whoever stumbles upon the link or has the link and is willing to give a few bucks they that's how we get um the 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 resources to to run these operations so like how much if, if you don't mind me asking how much yeah. money does it cost to to feed those like five or six hundred families every week uh let's see like uh at our peak we had um we had about we had a hundred thousand dollars in our in our um in our donation account our iobi account and like i think that covered us for about uh shoot man i want to say a month <laughs> oh <laughs> my god for a month um because so that's 25 grand uh, a week on food for yeah these yeah no it was yeah it was it was it was around it was roughly that so maybe, maybe you know plus or maybe like a little bit less than that maybe it got us like four and a half or five weeks but it's it, the the funding is split between um, the spaces where we operate out of, plus running a effectively a small co-op. Um, uh, you know, like just kind of getting receiving a large amount of grocery deliveries, and then also uh, organizing them, and then uh, and the resources needed to support that. So that takes up the chunk of the cash, um, and then the other one is reimbursing neighbors that make deliveries one to one. Um, so I think. If you're thinking like we're we're looking at like 600 families in which families average about four to five people per family that's you know that's a lot of individuals we're covering with our budget so 
um yeah so like that's that's pretty around around what it is you know i you know like anywhere between like i think i the numbers i've heard and I, i'm not i'm more of a i'm more of a shipping and receiving guy but i think um from the I like our more our the I guess the finance team <laughs> um, <laughs> we're looking at like 16 16 to a little bit over 20 grand uh, right. per week Hold up. More. so I mean that 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 definitely wasn't what what the the number was when we started um, but the operation has grown and the, and the need in the community has grown pretty dramatically in, in the last you know what four or five months so and we're trying to cover as much as we can, as much of it as we can. Um, and then, so after COVID, um, will this support continue? Yeah, uh, we're uh, as long as as long as our needs there, like we're we're going to be a part of it. Like I just had a conversation with a few of our team the other day about what the future looks like, and we're running, we're going to run operations as is through the month of September. Um, there's still a lot of need in the community, so that is not changing too measurably. And then, um, and then we're gonna see like what that looks like, you know, going forward. Like someone asked, like, what do you think South Brooklyn Mutual Aid goes looks like in the in the in the future? There's been talks about do we pursue like actually becoming a community co-op, um, and then that supports the community through an actual <laughs> grocery store. Uh, cooperative grocery store or do we do we go into more community-based resources you know one of the things that we're going to work on is like a both a running and skateboarding uh, I guess camp for a lot of the youth in in South Brooklyn and Sunset Park and it's like does that does that become kind of a, a split with the actual like direct resource needs so like we're kind of talking about what what that will look like uh, in, you know, in the in the near future, but in the immediate, we're we're still we're still business as usual. That's amazing, Jaggy man. Honestly, thank you. <laughs> That's amazing. That 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 warms my heart, and I'm hoping it warms everybody else's heart. As you've just thank done you. That. Like no one has asked you to do that. You just did it because, just because because you felt that it needed to be done. Um, and did you ask for help, JD? Uh, do I ask for help? Yeah. Uh, um, all the time. I mean, you're definitely even one of the people I've definitely asked help from uh, in my time. Um, you know, like I, I think, <laughs> I think I'm, you know, like, I don't, you know, like I think I, I have, as a, as a human and as a person, I have a lot of qualities that have, yeah, put me in a position where I can do a lot of these cool things and support or be an organizer, create a lot of really great things in our time, you know, like, you know, like Track Mafia is one of the proudest things that I've, I've ever been a part of, you know? Um, so and people, people have heard my version of events, Jackie, but, you, but, but you tell people, how, how did we start Track Mafia? <laughs> um I, I i think it was just like we we we, we it, you know initially it was like kind of like a lot of us wanted to find a way to train you know uh and just kind of utilize the resources of our city and utilize these collective resources that we had 
and knowledge bases we had, um, yourself, myself, you know, our, our, our dear homie Knox here in New York, Jules, like Charlie, like we just had a lot of resources to like do a thing. And then, and then a lot of like circumstances kind of fell into place around when we were just having that conversation. Like we had a crew of really dedicated runners that were ready to train. We plopped onto like the ability to legally congregate on the, <laughs> on the track <laughs> on our, yes. on, at Paddington Rec. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, and then we just kind of did it. And it started with you, me, and Jules just executing fundamental track workouts um, uh, at Paddington Rec. Uh, on, on our own and then a, yep. a few of our friends that were part of that initial community kind of came in and we we'd kind of collectively put together like a little um like have a clandestine conversations <laughs> um, about like, what our intent was and then clandestine um, conversations that's what we're <laughs> going to call this episode that's what we're calling this episode clandestine um, conversations <laughs> and then um and then suddenly before we knew it we were we, you know we we're doing 400s every every week and then it was three of us and then 10 of us and then 20 of us 30 of us and suddenly it was 80 of us <laughs> yes and we were like oh this is a thing um <laughs> i still have a folder in my in my in my gmail for the rain <laughs> um, yeah uh, because that's what we were going to call it before we stumbled upon track mafia we were actually going to call our organization the rain the rain and then that was when it was very clandestine you know it was like literally like six of us and we were cool with that um <laughs> um and then yeah and then it just grew and it, it and it became a, a real thing and a real force and, and similarly to a lot of things that you and I have been involved in in our time like it became a real force in the in, in the community so can't be can't be prouder of that you know like that's that's one of the proudest things that has ever I've ever been a part of and what do you what do you do now Jeggy and when I say what do you do now now you have left us left London and you are in New York, like where do you do your running? I, um, nowadays I've gotten obsessed with two things. I, uh, if we're talking like, like right now, right now, like I've gotten obsessed with, uh, I mean, I run, I run with uh, Black Roses NYC. That's, that's my team. That's my crew, my fam. And uh, I, uh, I, uh, I, I've gotten obsessed with two things uh running to prospect park and, and running in the trails in prospect Park, the trail network if i'm not upstate um running in beacon or uh breakneck ridge um <laughs> or i'm Did you um, say breakneck ridge breakneck ridge core that's 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 uh that's a classic classic venue for our trail adventures <laughs> and it's breakneck so you because you're climbing up a wall, a uh, uh, um, a a hill face, like a pretty vertical face of a of a of a, a climb. It's a pretty vertical climb, and the views are so beautiful that you, while you're climbing, you have to turn around, and you might break your neck. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! And so, how often do you go up there? 
Um, man, before before the pandemic, I, I was just, I was just upstate this weekend, but before the pandemic, it was man. I would take solo trips in the middle of the week over there, man. <laughs> I'm obsessed with that place. I love Mount Beacon and Breakneck Ridge. Um, and then, so what as often sort of, as I can. What sort of mileage do you cover when you go up there, then? Man, it could be anything. Like uh, the summit to Mount Beacon and back down is pretty short. It's only like, I think it's only like 3,000, a little over 3,000 feet up. So it's like, a, depending on what route you take, if you take the route I like enjoy the most, which is a, a climb, a scramble up to the summit, and then a, a notoriously and dangerously fast downhill. Um, <laughs> a notoriously dangerously fast downhill. Yeah, it's got a lot of jagged rock, you know, you can't fall. <laughs> um, wow. And you're going pretty quick, like, so, like, that's, like, maybe anywhere between a 5K to 10K, and then break that bridge, man, that, you can make that a proper, a proper 13 to 17 miler, um, including the vertical climb, vertical scramble. Um, so that's the, you know, like, it's anything, anything you want over there. Um, but then just note that it's, like, trails, so, like, a 17 miler isn't like a, a rapid 17 miler on road. It's a long yeah. time. It's a chunk of your day. <laughs> <laughs> it's a chunk of your day. Um, um, so speaking of chunks of days, what, what, what have you been doing, Jeggy? Um, and when I say, what have you been doing as in during the pandemic, how, how did life change for you? Um, I mean, obviously, dramatically, like everyone, like everyone else, you know, like I, you know, we were, we were, we had to stay home. Um, and that I, the, the gist of my days was, was the, was working and doing some organizing for South Brooklyn Mutual Aid. Um, my, if I had to break down a day, I, I actually thought about this upon entering my, the, the door to my apartment. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, it, I was interested in like, talking to you well we also like we always talk about fitness and my fitness is weird now because it's not like i'm long run rapid pace fit right now you know like i'm not like 20 miles in two hours and you yeah. know 12 you, minutes you, you know could like run forever yeah i'm not that fit right now because i've essentially like gotten obsessed with multiple two mile loops in my neighborhood like literally two mile loops um but like I'm like this weird fitness where like I would I would run in the morning um, and then I would go do like like rocky work <laughs> I don't know like weird push-ups <laughs> weird setup I don't know and then <laughs> for like so like a morning workout would be like like an hour and a half two hours I would like do 45 minutes to an hour of running and then like another hour of just like just in my room just sweating uh, and then <laughs> 30 30 minutes to an hour and then I would like do organizing work for South Brooklyn Mutual Aid, um, and that would like do a chunk of the day. So that might be me making a delivery, me coordinating neighbor to neighbor, or me at the warehouse or in the cargo van um, lifting produce, <laughs> which also had its fitness benefits. Uh, I would move like two thousand pounds of like potatoes, <laughs> you know. <Whoa. laughs> I loved it. Um, so that has definitely got me pretty uh, brolic, as they say. Um, uh, and then I, at night I would just, I, I, I reconnected with the sport that I've done since I was a teenager, which is skateboarding. And at night I would just go skate, um, whether I link oh, up with, yeah. uh, with like the homies that, that I, I've known through other things or through skateboarding that are skaters <laughs> or friends that have gotten, that have picked up skateboarding, 
uh, like my dear friend Mari, she's she started skateboarding, or Elise, you know, they they started skating, or just going by myself on little missions in the neighborhood and trying to find spots to skate. So I got like I stayed pretty oddly in shape in ways I didn't think I would, and I was pretty <laughs> occupied. Like the day, the days were pretty full um, of activity, uh, physical activity at that. Um, so it definitely was dramatically different. Um, and then if I and then when and then when the when the other uh conversation and the other thing that we we have we've had to engage in 2020 which is social justice and and um black lives and the value yeah. of black lives became part of our conversation i was out there you know we were out there protesting week in week out and we're still out there protesting uh day in day out um so that was that was uh, what on the with the with the protests? Yeah, it's it's uh, it's every day. Uh, New York has really been an incredible space, and in that every day we've been there's been protests, um, and you know, um, yeah, it's it's been incredible, man. Like, you know, initially it was it's 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 been what's been most interesting for me has been just kind of like the. All the, the the different environments you you find yourself in as you kind mm -hmm. of find as you like dive into, um, you know, uh, fighting in the streets as they say. So like initially it was definitely uh, confrontational and confrontations with police was was part of the conversation and part of the experience. Um, you know, <laughs> like I've had some definitely gnarly gnarly times in the streets um, uh, protesting. Uh, and seeing some wild things, and especially in those first few weeks of, of New York City activating um, and lighting up, and then and you know now it's a lot calmer, and now there's there's a little bit more balance in the in the position of protests. You know, I, I thought of, I bugged out the other day. Uh, a friend of mine just I'd never been a big Citizens App person, and I don't know if you know what Citizens App is, um, or if you have it, you have it out there no. in the iTunes or something simpler, but it's like a, an app that that gives you live updates of like incidents in your neighborhood. Okay. And, um, and uh, I, uh, I, I downloaded it because of my dear friend and, the, and, the, and one of the founders of Southbrook Mutual, Whitney had added me as emergency contact on it. So I, I felt like, you know, it's part of the process of like making sure you're, you're uh, 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 discreetly but consistently connected um, yes. you know, when you're protesting, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, so we, she made me a race car, so I had to, I felt like I had to finally download it. Um, and I, I downloaded it and it would like indicate then yes, that what things that are happening in the neighborhood and yesterday, uh, because I work on Mercer street in Soho in Manhattan, yesterday I was in Manhattan and Soho and there was, it indicated there was a protest in, in, um, on canal street. And, uh, uh -huh. and I, and it, it was, it, it, it resonated with me because like now, Initially, yes, it was, uh, and it still is the disruptive and continuous conversation that we need and we have to do day in, day out uh, indefinitely. But uh, it, it's like oddly become like a part of our flow in New York City. You know, like you, it's like <laughs> cat, cats sitting outside eating their Cuomo food and then protests happening uh, parallel to all that or, you know, yeah. in, alongside all that. So. It's 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 incredible and to see that be part of the be part of the day to day, 
but I can definitely tell you that like having experience and participated in it in, in you know in, in the capacity that I have in uh, the last few months it's definitely uh had you know parts where it was definitely a street fight and times when it was definitely um us uh peacefully being in the streets and and do you think that things are going to change now Jody? have things started to change in, in you know it, it's uh there, there's definitely conversations and things that are are definitely going through the process you know um for me the first thing you know i was like minneapolis um minnesota uh minnesota uh in in bits figuring out how to d dismantle or and dis defund their police right like these are conversations man that like even if you knew and i've, I've lived a life where i knew how uh, how inherently bad the police is um and a lot of us have you know whether we wanted to or not <laughs> but um it's like uh it's it's incredible that that's a conversation we're having um it's incredible that people are engaging and i know that there's there's definitely levels to it and and um and some of it is is in, inherently kind of offensive itself and some of it's really inspiring so like a lot of the content of people engaging with the conversation is is different but the fact that the conversation's there um is is definitely uh incredible uh, and the fact that people are trying to engage and trying to learn is incredible and the, the fact that um you know black and brown lives and history are, is, is in the conversation both at a political level and on a cultural level is incredible uh but you know uh yeah we're changing but we still don't know who we still don't have anyone accountable for the murder of Breonna Taylor, right? So, <laughs> so let's see, man. America's America sometimes, and I, I, I want to be, and the world's the world, and and uh, and and racism is a is, is a bit of a dynasty in the <laughs> history of things that we've had to fight. Um, so you know, we'll see. But I, I'm definitely, it's definitely optimistic to see um, things that you know we've seen and and the conversations that we're having at, at the highest levels and all the way down to on the streets. So, um, yeah, we're, we're, we're doing things, but we're still, we're still dealing, you know, and it's going to be, it's going to be a long, I don't, you know, it's going to be a long haul. Um, because like I said, you know, like, and as we all know, and as we know, like racism is dynastic in its oppression. So dynastic. <laughs> so we got we got we got a we got a bit to do there. Jaggi, thank you very much for your wonderful words. <laughs> um, they, you know, they, I I I don't got a big skill set, but if the, one of the things that I got going for me is that I, I can eloquently put together a sentence. <laughs> <laughs> I have one more question for your for your eloquence. Now, yeah. how Let's does do helping make you feel, Jeggy? Um, I don't know. It's odd. I, I, I had this thought the other day. I don't know if it's inherently too emotional, um, as emotional as you'd think it would be. I just think it just feels like part of, like, the way we should be. I don't know, man. Like, community is not something we can avoid. Everyone lives in a community. <laughs> so 
we it's not it's not it shouldn't be feel particularly special or feel particularly like I need we need to elevate ourselves for the things we do I think it's just part of what we should be doing you know like we should be supporting our community in any way by any means you know um and for me on a personal level it's something that that I was around mutual aid and community support and family members helping family members neighbors helping neighbors was part of the community I grew up in because it was a community that collectively didn't have a lot right so it's easier to help people than to not so do you find it weird <laughs> when when people like go out of their way to not be helpful as in like that's hard I I, I don't actually I, I'm gonna I don't th I don't think so really I think you know like, again it goes back to the idea of like just the context of our our histories man and we haven't we collectively as human beings haven't forged uh, a collective history that makes that feel second nature you know uh, mm -hmm. helping even people who do help for for a chunk of people that's an extraordinary event that's something of note you know like i always like <laughs> i always kind of chuckle i always kind of chuckle when people are like oh i did my i did my good deed good samaritan deed for the week you know it's like that's not even like a thing man but to me like that's not a thing a good samaritan deed is like it's you life. know uh you you anything man that's just day to day yo like it's it's like buying a slice of pizza for a homeless person on the street or uh or opening the door for someone that or lifting a one of my favorites is lifting a freaking pram for like a mother in this in the in the inherently difficult to navigate subways of new york city <laughs> you know what i mean like <laughs> yes you know like like it's it's not a thing to note for me and I, granted i've been put in a position where i've had to kind of note it in glaring and inherently awkward ways the aforementioned vice piece being one of them um <laughs> but like um and you want to express gratitude for for the for the validation i guess or the edification but like it, it doesn't really need that you know what i mean like i don't i don't think it does so i guess but i also so I, I notice that even when people actually do help and when they're out there helping, but I also like, I'm, I'm cognizant of the fact that we as a collective humanity haven't really forged a culture that makes that feel natural. You know, like there was a time when mutual aid was just a conversation about you getting like a slab of meat to your neighbor because they didn't have food. You know what I mean? Like, it, I don't know, like, or vegetables to your neighbor because uh, you know, that food or it was inherently in our history, in our roots, you know, with tribes, mutual aid's been a part of that, right? Like the community so always supported each other and everything was done. The reason why we know how to hunt is because of mutual aid, because we had to figure out a way to support the community <laughs> further. Um, so as humans, so like, it, it's not like it wasn't, it wasn't part, it isn't in our DNA or isn't in our inherent psyche. Is it just more that like, I think as, different ways of living came into play industrialism and commercialism and um and capitalism and technology we just became further and further detached from that idea because we became more insular into ourselves or the, the definition of support became more personal that like that that supporting the community or being or helping the community either became an extraordinary event or it became a non-event at all and do you think that 
COVID has turned that or started to turn that on its head again? As in, do you think COVID has brought communities back together? I think I think it did in a very particular way. I, I think COVID was interesting, and because like there are two things that happened, right? Like it was, um, it was uh, a collective battle for social justice um, and against racism, as well as a pandemic, right? So like I think the pandemic was a weird split in that it either made people incredibly more insular, measurably mm -hmm. more insular, mm -hmm. and to themselves because we were being told to, and we were afraid to engage um and the conversations i've had even like was were put into question like my mutual aid work or collective or our mutual aid work because we were exposing ourselves so frequently right like we had to be in the streets so often we had to be in environments that weren't necessarily measured um uh so like i think it either made people more insular but also like it made a lot of incredible individuals and especially the individuals i've met um through the mutual aid work I've done the last few months, it brought people out in ways uh, that I'd never seen also, you know? And so like, I think the pandemic itself was, was a pretty even split for me personally in terms of my narrative through the last four months, uh, four, four or five months, you know, since um, the pandemic started and it affected New York in the way it affected New York. Um, I think the, the fight against racism and social justice conversation has done probably more to me in terms of like seeing neighbors or communities helping each other um because it 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 it, it <laughs> because it was a fight we have to have but also because it has so many ways to engage and it's like you you had it like brought you out you had to engage or you had yeah. to you had to be a part of it and you had to be a part of the conversation even if you didn't want to because that's happening around us everywhere and you see it you, you're seeing it more or you're seeing it as you did, and you're seeing it in this heightened, elevated um, spotlight. And uh, I think, I think now you see like people engaging with uh, foundations and organizations that need support, or being, or volunteering for that. And then it's it's crazy because mutual aid is has existed with that fight. You know, for me, mutual aid was a conversation I learned through the Black Panther Party. So I think mutual aid has existed in that in that fight and now kind of Venn diagram with it. So like it does exist in its own way as like neighbors helping neighbors, but then it became this fight for social justice in itself because it, it, the reason why we're existing and why communities need to support each other is because our governments have let us down so measurably. So, um, so that just kind of inherently like kind of homogenized itself with the fight for fight against racism. And now it's just like this collective conversation and fight and support for groups and communities that need it. Um, the most. So uh, if there's one thing I, I wanted to go back real quick. So I think I kind of dive like I pulled away from it when you asked me, do, you, do I ask for help? And you've been one of the most uh, consistent sources of, of, of help for me in the last many years of my life. Uh, and oh, I think thank you, dude. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, you've definitely been there when I've been up and you've definitely been there when I've been down. And I think, you know, my, you know me well enough that my character is kind of takes me on, on some pretty wild little rides uh, uh, up and down. <laughs> um, but I think that uh, I think that us not being afraid to ask for help is, is the most important thing now. And, and that'll put us in a position when we need to engage in the streets um, and fight for what's ours and what belongs to us. 
I think us not being able to ask for help personally, we wouldn't even be in this position if we weren't afraid to ask for help. You know, like I get messages from families that need help every day now, you know, from families that need help. And um, obviously our peoples need help, uh, you know, against um, our governments and our um, law enforcement. And I, and then I, and we, and I, you know, we all, we individually need help, you know, like we, we can't always be in a position where we're, we're giving, we need to be able to ask and, and take. And I think that's important in, in this, in this collective fight. And, um, I, you know, we can, and just in, in our personal sustainability in this world. So like, uh, when you, when you ask me, do you ask for help, man, unabashedly, and I, there was a time in my life where I wouldn't want to admit that or have that conversation, but unabashedly, I say, yeah, man, all the time. And you've been one of those people I'm not afraid to go to when I'm, when I'm down and out, um, amongst, uh, you know, a handful of others that are, that are close. I'm willing, you know, like whatever, you know, I'm willing to have the conversations, but like, definitely don't be afraid to ask for help in any capacity, you know? And how, how long did that take, Jenny, as in for you to, to, to be comfortable with asking people for help? My whole life. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> um, you know, it, it still is, it still is a, a, a still a work in progress for me. I've definitely made leaps and bounds in the last few years of my life, but my whole life, because I agree you know, again, then I don't want, you know, like, I don't want to like, you know, like bring up like how I grew up too much, you know, but I mean, I guess I inevitably have to, so I'm, I'm dropping the ball there, but <laughs> you know, like <laughs> because the way I grew up and the way I had to engage with my community and I just got inherent with like the cultural conversation of, you know, being being brown or, uh, or having melanin or even just being Filipino, more specifically for me, like I I I uh, I, I just kind of like really adopted that kind of like inherently machismo, like I got this mentality. I was a skateboarder most of my mm-hmm. life, street racer, runner, like, and the communities I grew up around, skaters that I grew up around, were all they were tough tough guys, you know. So. Um, I, I, I adopted that and I think that and that has its benefits, you know, it, uh, definitely I'm, 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 I, you know, I, I, for better or worse, I'm not afraid of too much, but also like, it also made me, made it difficult for me to like ask for things or ask for help. And I still, I still struggle with it. Like, I don't like asking for things, you know, like yeah. I, I want to like know that my dollar, my, or my, my effort or my work earned the things that I had, I get. Um, but then sometimes like, just, <laughs> if you don't ask, you don't get Sometimes you just have to ask for things, man. Like, you know, like we can't always be, we can't always be that way. Um, and then I think also on a personal level, mental health level or whatever, I, I just want, I, I, I prefer just managing it myself for most of my life and dealing with it myself. And we definitely know, um, that that's not, <laughs> that's not the way, you know? Um, so it's definitely been a, a battle for most of my life of un, un, not necessarily undoing, but like learning how to navigate um, my upbringing. Um, and I, I, I'm fortunate and privileged because my, my dad is a very open human being and my mother was as well. So I think I, that I have reference points that to, 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 to work off of, but I think I wired, I wired in a pretty hard um, self 
self. Uh, and so I, I got this. I, I, I got this no matter what kind of mentality that, although like I, I hold on to it fiercely, I, I also need to find ways to like navigate and modulate it so that I, I'm not afraid to ask for help for, for when I need it, you know. I don't foresee that, you know, changing anytime soon. I think I'm perpetually going to be um, figuring out how to navigate that, that, that course a little bit. But I'm definitely better at it than I've ever been. Yeah, and I think I think just like have you know like the the um like the faith just the, and just having the faith in like those people that you've kind of gotten close to and just faith in our in your community and faith in it and a lot of more a lot of things and I think rooted in that is also just like this kind of pest, I don't know, pessimism of like of like towards the challenges of life or whatever and I think I think once you kind of open up to like having a little more faith in, in those around you and those nearest and dearest to you, I think, I think we can start having that conversation. You can start having that conversation, you know, but like I needed, I needed a lot of, I need to work on that. I need to like, you know, really get after that a lot and more in, in the years. Um, and especially as like life through its challenges, you know, um, and both, whether it be both in like the community and actively in the community or, um, actively for myself <laughs> <laughs> actively for myself um where where can people find you jaggy um uh usually nowadays i just got a new apartment in in, in, in south brooklyn so <laughs> nowadays no. in my cozy corner <laughs> you know you don't want listeners coming to your house where can people find you on the interweb <laughs> oh, <laughs> I tell you where they can literally find me. I was like, "Well, my cozy corner with my books and records." Um, uh, I'm I'm a Pavo Zatopek, uh, awkwardly named on Instagram. Um, mm. You you can't find me at too many other other sources <laughs> on the internet. You might be able to find me on a random YouTube video, or mm. I guess uh, a very visible Vice video. <laughs> or yeah, yes, very video. visible. Um. Uh, or Pablo Zatopek on Instagram, like find me there. Otherwise, otherwise, you know, find me in the streets, and we can we can we can have a conversation. <laughs> awesome about anything. Jaggy, thank you very much for joining us in the tub. My bath is freezing cold now, so I'm gonna jump out, and then I'm gonna do final thoughts. What time is it there where you are? Um, we've just hit, uh, 8.54 Which in the evening. Which means it's what time here? Man, what is it like? It's freaking like one, like almost two o'clock in the morning over there? Yes. So, I bid you <laughs> adieu. Beef, get some Look. sleep. I know, I know that you're going to be up in like three hours as a matter of course anyway, so you might as well crash now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. Later, man. All right, thanks. Thank you, man. Bye. All right, And we are back. Thank you very much for joining me in Final Thoughts. You've been tuned in to the Tub Hub, and it's me, Corey. Well, what did we think, people? Um, I hope you enjoyed the last episode of the Tub Hub. You listened to my dear friend Jeggy um, 
Jeggy and I, as you've heard, have have been friends for for years. We set up Trap Mafia, and we still stay in touch. We travel the world together, um, just exploring, just running, um, which is, I guess, why we're still really, really close, even though we live on completely opposite sides of the world. What I found like really interesting about what Jeggy had to say is this kind of like this this urge that he has to to help people and why he believes that he has this urge um i also found it quite interesting that he he finds it amazing that people sing and dance about helping others when really we live in a world when helping others should be second nature like helping others should just happen um so at what point did things change at what point did society break down at what point did we stop like helping our brothers and sisters like for for no other reason like than because they needed help like why why did there ever need to be another reason like, when did society start to break down like that? When did we stop asking for help? When did we stop communicating? These are just questions. And I'm going to think a little bit more about them. And I would love you to think a little bit more about them. And either drop me a message or don't. Just think about it and share. Have a great day. It's final thoughts. Bye.